Welcome to the Urban Lab with Sam Chandon, the podcast on cities and the built environment, featuring leaders in industry, research, and policymaking. Welcome to the Urban Lab. I'm your host, Sam Chandon, Silverstein Chair at the NYU SPS Shack Institute of Real Estate. Across the United States, commercial property tenants and their landlords are in a tough spot. In the retail sector, where brick and mortar sales plummeted during the lockdown, there's been a wave of bankruptcies and store closures. While most tenants have muddled through, many have been unable to make their rent payments. In both the retail and office sectors, some tenants are also asking if they should pay their rent when they haven't been able to access their space. Earlier this month, Simon Property Group, the largest operator of malls in the United States, sued Gap, which owns Old Navy and Banana Republic, for more than $65 million in unpaid rent. In an example of the emerging asymmetries in the market, WeWork is skipping rent payments at some properties while generally requiring their own tenants to remain in good standing. With the notable exception of the apartment sector, shortfalls in rent collections range from mild to severe. By some accounts, less than half of all retail tenants have paid their rent this month. The numbers are better for office properties, but the deterioration in revenue is showing up in property owners' ability to meet their own obligations including property taxes and their mortgage bills. Commercial real estate data firm TREP reports that in May, delinquencies on mortgages bundled into commercial mortgage-backed securities spiked to 7.2%, up from just 2.9% in April. For mortgages backed by hotels, nearly one in every five was delinquent last month. With me to discuss conditions in the commercial property market and what happens in these situations of distress, I'm joined by Brian Ward, CEO of Trimont Real Estate Advisors and Trimont Global. He's a member of the company's board of directors and chairs the company's executive operating committee and global advisory council. He also serves on the advisory boards of the Shack Institute and the Harvard Business School. Brian, thanks for joining me. Dr. Janin, thank you for having me. For context on this conversation, maybe begin by telling us a little bit about Trimont's role in the market and how the firm fits into the real estate ecosystem. Yeah, thank you. Um, You know, um, it it is important because Trimont sits in a bit of a unique perspective. We are, you know, a credit uh, manager, a a loan servicer. We provide uh, those services globally to our clients. But we really sit behind the curtain um, and, our, and our function is really designed to make our clients more efficiently deploy capital. And then of course, when, when things you know, go wrong and unfortunately they do, I mean, it is, it is, it is real estate and like any other asset class um, um, is, is susceptible to, to, to forces beyond its control. And so you know, in those instances, we're also there to help our clients work through their problems and ultimately return the asset's performance to, 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 to what the original business plan contemplated or something that, that resembles success. So given your very unique vantage point in the market, how would you characterize the health of uh, the real estate industry today? Uh, are we seeing uh, levels of distress broadly that are consistent with what some of those CMBS numbers from TREP uh, would indicate? Um, well, we are, well, you know, at, at the risk of stating the obvious, we're, we're in uncharted waters right now. Um, I would say from our perspective, um, Trimont um, is known particularly to service or asset manage more complex credit. We're seeing worse numbers than, than the TREP numbers. Um, I would say across our entire portfolio, 
we have seen late payments or non-payments spike to as high as 30% across the entire book. Um, heavily, heavily weighted, of course, to hospitality and retail. Um, you know, th those, those asset classes have, generally speaking, more than doubled in terms of their payment stress. Um, whereas multifamily and industrial have remained fairly strong. We've seen some um uptick in, in both of those asset classes globally, but not, not nearly to the degree um, that, that hospitality and retail have seen. So our, our listeners include folks that are experts in the real property market, but, but also you know, members of the academic community, policymakers, elected officials uh, that may in some cases be less familiar with uh, the dynamics of real estate. When someone starts missing their payments um, for a commercial property, uh, what happens then? Well, in ordinary circumstances, what happens is, is that there, there is obviously a, a process around default and, and, and certainly opportunities to cure and the like. You know, the problem is in this instance, the real estate business, business in general, hit a wall at 100 miles an hour from what we see in our, in our portfolio. And, that, and that's manifested mostly in, in forbearance agreements and, and generally a willingness on, on, on the part of most people to stand down for now. So, you know, one of the things that we've seen uh, as a feature of the tenant market is that many people uh, are unable uh, to uh, pay uh, their rent. Uh, but we also have some cases in which uh, folks uh, have hesitated to or have made a choice not to pay their rent. On the mortgage side of this, where we do have delinquencies emerging, is it generally the case that people uh, you know, those property owners are, are genuinely unable to make uh, mortgage payments, or in some cases, are they withholding? Uh, the answer is yes. We have, we have instances in our portfolio, and I know across the business, where, where there are those that are genuinely unable to pay right now. I mean, for, for all of the reasons. I mean, obviously, when you, when you look at what's happened with hospitality, leisure, and retail alone, I mean, my, my heart just breaks for um, these business owners, particularly these small business owners, you know, who, who've just been just been absolutely crushed um, through through no fault of their own, and and those are great examples, by the way, of of public policy um, forbearance, where where you know we, we want to do what we can to help those people. I mean, at some point, again, there has to be a return to the documents and a return to rule of law. That point that point is not hard and fast for all real estate. Um, whereas those that, that are, are strategically defaulting, who have, have the liquidity, who might have otherwise, you know, for example, taken on a, 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 a large amount of leverage in this last year, when leverage in, in these last several years, when, when leverage has been more than abundant, you know, and taken, taken those proceeds and put them in their pocket and, and assumed the risk, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's a little harder to, to find a social policy, uh, public policy rationale for that. Um, um, and so, so we as a servicer, we try to weed through that. Um, we try to do our best to, to understand the circumstances. Um, and then of course, um, find an intersection between those specific facts and the, the needs of our clients. Um, at the end of the day, we, we do, we have a responsibility, a duty to represent the interests of our clients. Um, but, but at the same time, I, I would say our clients are thinking in the same way. Um, they, they, they're, they're, they're compassionate too, they're sensitive around the, around the forces at play here. Um, and, and generally people are trying to, to do the right thing and help people out wherever they can. Um, 
the problem, of course, which you've alluded to in your question is, is there's plenty of folks that are trying to take advantage of the situation and again, try and drive leverage, um, which, is, which is unfortunate, but just the reality of the situation. So you described uh, the need for and the role of forbearance uh, in all of this. Could you tell us a little bit about what that really means? I think we hear a lot about forbearance, but uh, you know, for many of us, it's not clear what that actually implies. Yeah, for, forbearance is 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 effectively. The, I get the risk of maybe stating the obvious is is a, is, a, is an agreement by between um, the, the lender and the borrower to basically stand down. Um, um, and to and to not execute uh, the default remedies that belong to the lender um, under the under the documents, um, and to to otherwise find some solution to to then bring the loan current, um, some some plan around around ultimately how borrower is going to cure the default, um, and 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 and. Right now, most of the forbearance has been um, in the nature of kind of three months to six months of let's stand down, let's better understand the facts around the, you know, around the situation, let's put together a business plan for, for how we're going to navigate these waters, given, given, given the fact, by the way, that things change every day. Um, uh, how, how are we going to sort through this and how are we going to ultimately get the, the business plan borrower that you've laid out for us in connection with, with the, the making of this loan at, at a place where we all feel good about it? And, and, and that can range from uh, we're, going to, we're going to modify your payments. We're going to go from an amortizing loan that involves both, both principal and interest to an interest only loan. We're going to um, stop payments altogether right now, and, and we're going to add principal and interest to, to the maturity of the loan, um, to we're going to forgive a portion of it. Um, it's, it's just, it, again, it's, it's, it's so fact specific, it's hard to put it into one general bucket, but I would think, I would say generally that that's, um, that's how a forbearance operates. Um, it is basically an, an, a, a, a willingness to to not declare a default, um, as opposed to a loan modification, which is different in that, that you're actually modifying the loan documents and therefore taking the loan out of default. So, so um, there's, a, there's a subtle nuance there between forbearance and, and modification. You've been very careful to point out that we're still in an environment of tremendous uncertainty. Um, and it's not clear uh, where we will be tomorrow. It's not clear where we'll be in a couple of months' time, uh, which makes business planning for all of us um, unusually difficult. In the case of you know, a hotel property where there really isn't uh, much visibility into where we'll be with uh, occupancy rates, rev par um, in three or six months' time, uh, but a general sense that the recovery will take time. Uh, are there are there answers for us? Yeah, I, you know it's it's a difficult one, Dr. Channon, because I like everybody else. I, we we all want to return to normal. We want to return to business as usual. Yesterday, hotels are doing their darndest to find out ways to responsibly open, as is retail and every other component of our economy. Um, but but unfortunately, the virus doesn't care. It's just going to do its thing. And, and that's very difficult um, when you're trying to, to, to adjust your business plans and respond to the situation that you have um, and, and the need to be just constantly agile, I mean, exhaustingly agile, 
through all of this um, is, is asking an awful lot. And so, so um, I, I, don't, I don't have any magic answers here. Um, um, as you've said in sort of at the start of the question, it's going to take time. I think it's gonna take a lot more time than people want. Um, and I, I would just make one comment and then I'll pause here is, is, is I, wish, I wish people were, were able to be more patient right now. I get why we're not being patient. But my fear is, is that this, this, this desire to get back to where we were after there's been so much sacrifice that's made over the last three, three and a half months, I'm just worried that it could tilt us again. So, you know, on the wish list that uh, we were all more patient and thinking about you know, the, the, the timeline and the uncertainties around the pandemic, if you had a longer wish list uh, for policymakers, for borrowers, for other participants in the real estate market. What would be a couple of key things right now that, that could help us to manage our way through this period? From my perspective, this is my personal opinion. Um, this is a health crisis. It began as a health crisis. It's still a health crisis. It will be a health crisis. The economic circumstances that we find ourselves in came as the result of a health crisis. Um, First solve the health crisis and then the, the economic um, questions then get resolved fairly quickly thereafter. Um, the complications around solving the health crisis are obviously massive. The scientific medical community around the world is doing their very best to, to responsibly try and find those solutions as quickly as possible. Um, it would be nice to see alignment between the scientific and medical community and, um, and some of the global leadership, that would, that would help things. A, con, a consistent message um, that understands first and foremost that it is, that it is understanding of the fact that we all wanna get back to business and the sooner we get back to business, the better it is for everybody there. And I certainly also completely get that the time is nobody's ally here. Um, but again, as I said earlier, I'm not sure the virus cares. Oh, a, a closing question for you. You've shown throughout your career a, a tremendous commitment to uh, young people, academic institutions, uh, education. Uh, you serve on the board of the Shack Institute, the uh, alumni board of Harvard Business School. Uh, what kind of advice do you have for young people right now that are either in school, that are approaching graduation? Thanks for asking you. You're, you're going to a question that is near and dear to my heart and something that I've been very passionate about. I mean, one of the things I, do, I guess I would encourage and, and I know I just, I get pers such a massive personal satisfaction out of it. It's just, um, is just, is mentoring, coaching, getting on the phone with, just making myself available to all of the different questions that they have around how they navigate through this situation, um, helping them um, um, understand the landscape, the opportunities, um, reminding themselves, and, and in so doing, reminding myself and my, my brother and that it's, it is gonna all be okay that we're going to get through this, but just being that, being, being accessible to them as they're trying to figure this out. Um, I know for myself how much um, my, my college and graduate and, you know, law school years were just so instrumental in, 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 in forming my, my, you know, my life that, that I can't imagine how difficult it is for them when it's been completely disrupted like this. Look, it's a, it's a shout out to you. I've known you for a long time and you've frankly been a, a, a model in terms, of, in terms of this very thing, whether it be through education or diversity or just generally fostering a greater understanding. And, and I think that this is something that we as 
more senior leaders um, have a great opportunity to gain from and a responsibility towards. That was Brian Ward, CEO of Trimont Real Estate Advisors. I'm Sam Chandon, your host. Thanks for listening to The Urban Lab. Thanks for listening to The Urban Lab. For more information about the program and our host, please visit samchandon.com slash urbanlab.